Next week is homecoming. It makes you think about what homecoming is. It's a celebration. You know, we, we think, oh, okay, this is time we celebrate the church and the time that's been here, but it's a reminder of a homecoming we'll have one day. We're not of this world, and one day we'll go home. And I want us to look this morning about getting ready for homecoming. Paul said in chapter 3 of Philippians, verses 13 and 14, he said, Brethren, I count myself, count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth in those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I, I haven't got there yet. I haven't reached where I needed to be yet. But there is one thing I do, and I forget all those things in my past, those things which hinder me. Now I reach for those things which are before me. He said, I press towards the mark. I reach for the, the end of the race, for the finish line, for that prize. Verse 15, he says, let us therefore as many be perfect be thus minded, if anything be ye otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. He says, hey, we need to be of one mind, and that one mind is that Christ is coming, and we're going home soon. And if you, you know, if we're blessed that he comes within the next few years, what a wonderful thing. But if you do take your last breath before then, what an even wonderful thing that is. For if you're a child of God, you know where you are. Paul said to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, I thoroughly believe that. And I know there's times we're afraid of death, we're afraid of these things, but can you imagine what it'll be like when you get there? Could you imagine what it would be like if this morning, if he was to step out on the clouds and call his church home? All the problems, everything gone, we're with him in heaven, but until that time, we need to be ready. And I want to be sure that we're heading in the right direction. So there is one thing you need to look at you, when you look at yourself. And he says he, he didn't look at his past and he, he forgot those things. But sometimes you need to remember some things in your past. One, you need to look at your spiritual armor that you put on. Are you ready to go for tomorrow? Are you ready to press to the mark? Are you ready to do what God's told you to do? You know, you know. He, he, he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, 11, and I, everybody probably knows these about finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God and, and that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Are you ready? Do you have that on? Are you prepared for what's coming? Are you prepared? You know, as we read the, the timeline of what happened, that was, when you think about it, 21 years ago. Look where we have come as a nation in 21 years. There was almost like a great revival for a little bit. Then we've seen such a falling away, especially in the last few years. And, and it's just it's getting more and more apparent as, as the, the things of the country just seem to get worse. How are you fighting those battles? Are you prepared for that battle? Have you put on your whole armor? 
Do you, do you press forward, you know, not to go back to the same valleys and the same problems that we go through? In, in verse 12, he, he says this. He says, not as though I've already attained and either were already perfect, but I follow after that I might apprehend for that which I'm also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, are you, are you doing what God's called you to do? You, you hadn't got done yet, but are you ready? Now, you know, let me tell you what this verse says. It basically said now that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but press towards the mark of my own because Jesus made me who I am. Jesus has prepared me. I'm going to continue to press. I'm going to continue to go. I'm not going to keep making the same mistakes, but you know what? We tend to do that, don't we? It's like we like going down back into the valley we just came out of. We, we, we get down there and, and we, we, we like going back to the same mud puddles and the same things and, and we, we forget that, hey, we've already obtained salvation. We are the child of God. We have the ability to win every battle that's put before us. But the question is, do you fight them? You know, if you do, when you realize that, hey, I don't have to worry about going back to that same battle, you can claim the victory that, that David said in Psalms 23, verse 4, when he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. David said, even when I'm in the valley, I don't worry about it because God's got me. His rod and his staff protect me. I don't have to worry. I know I've got to go through it. I know I've got to go through things, but guess what? I'm ready for them because God's with me in the valley of the shadow of even death. As we press towards the mark, we've got to remember that, that we're not alone. That He's always there with us. That He fights our battles. You know, you know how hard it is to, to drive a car, Jimmy, when somebody else is driving it? You know, whenever I ride with the kids, I wear sunglasses. So I don't, I can close my eyes that so they don't see that I'm terrified because there's a big dent in the floorboard on the passenger side where an imaginary brake does not work. I want to rip over and grab the wheel and drive it because I just don't like none of their driving. I can't stand to ride with Julie. She took me to the hospital one time. I was having kidney stone. I was in the back seat trying to tell her how to drive to get us there as I'm laying there in pain. She's going, do you want to get there and want peace? And I'm thinking, well, that's enough for me. I got to let her drive. But you know, it's bad. We don't, we do, we treat God the same way. Well, hey God, I got to, whoa, just, you let me tell you how we're going to do this. You can't be in control. You got to surrender and say, here, God, take everything. I know I've already got you. I need to press towards more and just surrender. You know, I, I need to decrease so you can increase in my life because things up. I'm not pressing towards the mark. I'm too busy looking around, making sure everybody's cheering me on. We need to Look at our armor. We need to leave sin behind. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21 says this. It says, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. You know what our problem is? We, 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 we don't prove it. We don't check things out. We, we're, we live in a generation and a time that likes everything right away. Uh, you know, 
I, I used to work in a grocery store and worked in the grocery store business for many years. And it amazes me how much they've changed over the years. Used to be you went there and there were ingredients everywhere. And there was ways to fix everything. But now everything's fixed. Now there's there's items. And people don't know how to cook anymore. So guys, if you got a woman in cook, you better hang on to her for dear life. Because there ain't many of them out there. I mean, everything's pre-made, pre-cooked. We don't know what we're eating anymore. We don't prove either. We want it now. We want it instantly. We don't want to wait. God said, prove it. He said, prove everything. Make sure that it's good. A lot of times we get in there and then we go, how in the world did we get here? How did it end up like this? Because we quit proving what is good. The next verse, he says, abstain from all appearances of evil. You know, I sometimes wonder if that ought to be in front of that verse. Because if you just get away from what looks bad, you wouldn't have to worry about proving it. You say, well, it looks bad. I'm not going. You know, uh, now it, it, it's amazing how we, we, we got in the way we, 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 we don't, get away from sin, we, we get into it, then we wonder how to get out of it. We need to quit picking up our things that we've done in our past. You know what's funny? How many of you have ever had a bad habit, got rid of it, but then you go back to it? We used to have this, when I was a youth minister, we did this, this thing, it was called the box of sin. It was a play. And one guy would do the whole thing. And we had a big box, we set it in the floor. Had sin wrote all over it. And the boy would go up to it and he put his foot in there. He said, oh, that feels pretty good, but I'm not going to get in it. I know it's not right. I need to stay away from it. But he kept walking back to it. Before long, he wouldn't put more than a foot in. He put another foot in. Then he'd kneel down in it. And before long, the only thing you saw was the little tip of his head. He says, I'm enjoying this. And then he realized, I can't get out of the box. I'm stuck in here. I've gotten way down in it. You see, sin's like that. Some of us, we've done things and we're like, Lord, help me to get away from it. So we step away from it. But we keep going back to the same sin. It's got a hold of you and you can't get out of it. How did I get in here? Because you keep returning to it. I'm as guilty as everybody else. I keep returning to the things. I know they're wrong. See, if I if I would pressed forward and quit going backwards, I'd get away from this stuff. But the thing is, Paul said he, he quit looking back at it. But the lure of sin is something that keeps getting to us. Satan don't make it easy. He knows what gets you. He knows how to lure you. And once he has you with that, he never lets you go from it. You ask somebody who's been an addict, they never lose that addiction. It's always there looming. Now you, I, I remember I used to smoke. Mom found out I spoke and later. She used to get on to me every once in a while. You know, before long, I, just, I quit listening to her. Stupidest thing I could have ever done. Well, when I quit, 
Julie thought I quit when Bree was born. I didn't. I just quit doing it around her. I quit when Trent was born. I set him down. One of the hardest things I ever did. To that brand new pack, I just spent a fortune on, threw it in the garbage. Trent's 30 years One up. You see, Satan knows things like that, so he'll dangle these things. He'll say, you remember this. You said, but it's not good for me, but your body says, but you want it. You want it. We're not fleeing the appearances. Because if you get too close to it, guess what? You'll pick it back up. You know, I've met people, anybody ever been in this situation? My friend does so-and-so, but I'm going to be the good influence. I, I, I'll be the good influence for him. No, you're not. He's going to tell you what's going to happen. Satan's going to get you, and you're going to be a worse influence on that, young, that individual than anybody ever was because you're going to slide right back into it. Flee all appearances of evil. Well, what about my friends? If they're bad, get away from them. God will get you new ones. Prove it. Try it. Understand. Get away from it. Send something we need to get away from. Listen, in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Paul said this. He says, Why tarest thou rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, carrying on the name of the Lord? Paul's giving his testimony here. Telling what God, what Adias had told him. He says, you know, be baptized, wash away your sins, call on the name of the Lord. And, and you know, basically, Adias wasn't saying your baptism is going to save you. He says, if you mean business, you're going to show it in front of everybody. Paul, God's just restored your sight. You were blind on the road to Damascus. I didn't want to come do this, but God told me to. He laid hands on me, prayed. The whole time he's praying, he said, Lord, I hope I didn't misunderstand you. And he prays, and Paul can see, or Saul can see. And he tells him, now you need to arise. You need to be baptized. If what you're telling me is true, you need to put action behind it. You need to... Press forward. Quit acting like you did before. You can't go back to where you were and be what you are now. Martin 38, 38 says this. Jesus said, Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he comes in the glory of his father with his holy angels. You know what the problem with most Christians are? We don't want to not fit in. Paul could have went back to the Sanhedrin. He could have made up a lie. But see, God got hold of him. On that road to Damascus, he saw the truth. And you think about the life he lived after that. He was hunted. He was Almost, he was left for dead a couple of times. He ended up having his head chopped off because of the belief that he had. He couldn't hide it. He didn't want to go back. He pressed towards the mark, he said. And everything he went through, I'm still going to continue on because I need to do what God's called me to do because one day, one day, it won't be a vision on the road to Damascus. I will see him face to face. 
Let me tell you, one day, child of God, you will see him face to face. Are you pressing towards the mark? Are you looking for Are you putting sin behind you? Are you doing what God's called you to do? We need to look at how we live today. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God created in righteousness and in true holiness. How do you live today? Are you allowing the old man to control you, or are you allowing the new man to lead you? You know, uh, if you spend more time trying to make excuses for the way you live and the way you do things, then let me tell you, the new man's not got a good grip on you. Maybe he never even had a grip on you. Paul told us how to do this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, brother, for brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect, will of God. Paul said, one, if you understand what sacrifices are, that is something you brought to God that you gave him as a gift and it had to be worthy. You didn't bring the second best. You didn't bring the worst uh, just to get by. If you did, you know what that was? You didn't really care for the God, for God. You just cared more for yourself. He says, so you need to, you need to bring a, a gift that's perfect as best as it can. And, and, and let me ask you a question. When do you bring it? I'll tell you. Every day you get up. Just something, hey, on Sundays I'm going to put on my best smile for everybody and look pretty and, and sound righteous. No, it's tomorrow morning. It's when you're in the middle of the day tomorrow. When you go to Walmart, somebody cuts in front of you. Let me tell you what happened to me yesterday. I went to Walmart, and, and I realized that anybody that does not know how to drive goes there on Saturdays. And I was doing everything I could, Jimmy, just to remain calm and collective. I'm going down this way, and this guy's coming straight at me. He just stops, and he stares. And this, this guy comes walking up to him, taps on his window. This old man said, hey, you're going the wrong way. And he went, oh. And I'm thinking, wow, really? And I'm thinking, boy, you know, I wanted to tell him a few things. I wanted to get in the flesh. What do you do when it happens to you? We're supposed to be holy and acceptable to God. Hey, it wasn't Sunday morning. I could say, well, I'm just, I'm angry. Well, guess what? I need to be forgiving. I said, well, my truck's bigger than his. That don't matter. I should have got out of his way. I had to anyway because he didn't know what to do. Do we do what's acceptable to God even when we're upset? When you come home and your sweetie pie didn't fix the meal you wanted. When you come home and the two of you are arguing. Are you presenting that, that 
body to God and say, hey, Lord, here I am. Holy and acceptable. Or you got to say, well, that don't matter. That don't count for you. They made me mad. That does not matter. Being a child of God is not just an every once in a while thing. It's a 24-hour-a-day thing. It is doing what's right to everybody. Do you know who we are the meanest people to? It's our loved ones because they know who we are. If you want to find out somebody, ask the one they live with. How do they act when they're upset? Get the truth. You probably don't want to. But guess what? God knows the truth already. Holy and acceptable. Are you living what you say you are? You know, if, we, if we're going to have a glorious home, could you imagine when you're standing before the Lord and he knows everything about you, what are you going to do? Well, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I didn't try hard enough. I could have done better. I could have loved more. I could have been like you. And you said, you know, be kindly affectionate one to another. When you told us a new commandment, I give you that you love one another. These things that I forget to do every day. Maybe what I need to do so that I'll, I'll live better is take a look at the prize that God's given me. You know, we're, we are saved from sin. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he said, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him that's called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. I mean, when you think about that and you look at it, one, hey, you are a, a chosen generation. You, you, We have now been given that privilege that God has chosen us. We're his elect. We're the ones he loves. He, he set things aside for us. He, he's made a place for us. He says, I've gone to make a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. If it was not true, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He says, you're a royal. Well, that was one thing that, that in, in ancient times, the priesthood and royalty were, were, were separated and they were so jealous of each other. But here's Jesus, the priest king, and he says, you're a royal priesthood. He's bringing it back together. So you're something very special. You're chosen. You've been given a job that is highly special. He said your peculiar people are, are a special people is a good way. Why? Because we belong to God. Amen. Think about that. You are a child of God. If you are saved, born again, you ask Jesus into your heart as your Savior, and he's the Lord of life, you are a special person. And you know, you think, if you go to a museum, and you go in this museum and there's hats and canes and sticks and all this stuff just laying about. Those are ordinary items. But why are they in a museum? Because whoever had them on or whoever they belonged to was something special. People go to look at that. You realize that you are something special because you belong to Jesus Christ. You belong to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
You belong to the one who spoke the world into existence. You belong to the one who left heaven and came to earth. You belong to the one who died on the cross for sins. You belong to the one who rose again on the third day. You belong to him. You are special because of him. You are a wonderful person. And what are you supposed to do? Show forth praise. Well, we ought to be a praying group of individuals praising God and excited at what's going to happen instead of whining about everything else around us. We are partakers of the holy calling. You think about something. God's called you. You're partakers of a heavenly calling that one day you'll go back to heaven to be with Him. So let me ask you a question this morning. One, are you saved? You want to enjoy homecoming? You want to thoroughly enjoy what God's got in store for you? Well, you better be saved because if you're not, your name's not found in the Lamb's Book of Life, you've got a place that you're going and you really don't want to Book of Revelation, it says those whose name was not found in the Lamb's Book of Life was cast into the eternal lake of fire. That's not a homecoming. That's torment forever. Now, if you are saved, let me ask you a question. Are you living as you should every day? Not Sundays, but every day. Because if not, you need to do a checkup of your heart and get back to God. You need to quit being ashamed of Him on Mondays and around your family and your friends. Are you living in the future or are you stuck in the past? The future is where you're going. The past is nothing you can change. The past is behind us. You've got to live with the consequences of the past. But your past does not define what you're going to be tomorrow. Are you pressing towards the mark for the prize if you were to go home right now? What would you hear? What kind of welcoming would Christ give you? We all say, oh, I want to hear that. Welcome home, my good. Well, that was for the good and faithful servant who was faithful over a few things. What about you? What about me? I have to look in the mirror and say, what about me? How faithful am I? How faithful am I? Am I ready to see my Lord? If the trump sounded, then it's too late to do anything else. What about you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord, as he gets closer and closer to our homecoming day, not just the one that will celebrate Sunday, but Father, the one that will stand before you, where we'll come home to be with you. Father, it's just a, we're a breath away. Some of us, we're just a heartbeat away. Lord, it could be the day that you step out on the cloud. We don't know when. We, no one knows, but it could be. And Father, we're not promised tomorrow. Lord, some of us could be taking our last breaths. We could be spending the last bit of time with our family. 
So, Lord, I pray right now that you'll instill in our hearts a desire to present our bodies a living sacrifice to you. Lord, some of us need to love our loved ones a little bit more. Some of us need to forgive people a little bit more. Some of us need to smile a little bit more. But, Father, whatever it is that we need a little bit more of, Lord, I pray today you'll give it to us. You'll, Lord, you'll, you'll burden our hearts till we, we seek you. Some of us need some sins beside it. Some of us need to step forward. But Father, whatever it is, I pray that you burden us to where we can't sleep at night until we get things right with you. Father, have your way in this invitation. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen. As you stand to your feet, Jimmy, we're going to sing page what? 124. 124. We sing. You listen to the Holy Spirit. Thank you. 